I have to announce that the Denver Broncos picks this year and the NFL draft were amazing. Like, why were they uh, amazing? They were freaking. Oh, did you? Are these the, are these are these college guys that you were watching, or did you what just you learn mean? about them? Did you just learn about them? No, I've watched them for the last two years. Oh, you've been following them for for the last two years. Yeah, these college, all, these all, the guys? all the picks. All the picks they made. Not you, all the picks. Yeah, don't, yeah. Oh, listen to this guy. Listen to this guy. Oh, they're amazing, said the sports writer from ESPN. It's like Bill Walton. They're incredible. <laughs> they're they, stupendous. <laughs> <laughs> they're fantastic. <laughs> This is Brothers of Ash, a podcast that explores how Christian doctrine should be lived out in fellowship from a Reformed Baptist perspective. Episode 21, boys. We made it. 21. Our they podcast won. can drink beer now. And one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> and podcast what? can drink beer now. Yeah, it can. Yeah. And White Claw. Or Four, lo- four Loco, whatever. Oh, whatever my gosh. Yeah, uh, so you... You guys know that my college is the reason why Four Loco got banned, right? Boo! Oh gosh, Central Washington, Central Washington. Oh, okay. I thought you were talking about um, Western. Big no. Or, uh, uh, <laughs> yeah, I was no. like, what in the world? No, I was like, what kind of college man. is that? No. What well, is Oregon? So I mean, no, whatever. no, 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 no. You went to <laughs> That's WSU, a right? School. No, Central Washington University. Mm, Central. So yeah, these kids, they got the they basically it was so bad there was one night where four kids like literally like passed out and had to have like ivs hooked up to them because they drank so much four loco (laughs) and then the health department not the health department but the chair of like the health program Mm -hmm. who's like uh i don't know if he was the dean i'm trying to remember what his title was he was like a big uh, like big wig up in the administration, but he basically dubbed for loco black cocaine. Oh my goodness. <laughs> and I knew him because he was in our fellowship of Christian athletes group. And he said, for loco is black cocaine. And I'm like, what does that even mean? <laughs> the, and, the can, the can is black, right? And for full, for well, loco. No, they could be purple, red, green. Stuff. Okay, I was going to say, I there was a that bunch. as a metaphor to say like, um, you can, you can like the amount of caffeine and alcohol, like basically right. messes with your system so bad that you'll yeah black out, but you'll, your body will still be functioning like you're on cocaine or something like that. So I remember hearing about those things. Crazy. I never drank one. I never did either. Too much sugar. And I can't do stuff. With yeah. CWU was really CWU had a very big party culture too. So it was very debauchery. Isn't that, that, I think that's how most colleges are. Yeah, but CWU had some, there was a very, like, you could tell, you could ask people, like, which college you go to, and they'd be like, oh, you go to Central, huh? They'd be like, oh, you partied all the time there, didn't you? And I'm like, no, I didn't, but okay. Well, it's yeah. in the middle of nowhere, so, right. like, there's no nothing to do in the middle of the desert. I mean, it's not in the, I mean, it's technically in the desert, but not in the desert, you know? You got to go across the Columbia River. That's when you're in the desert. I feel like Ellensburg is like the prepping you to get into the badlands, mm-hmm. <laughs> the forbidden <Yeah>. zone. <laughs> I was on a '90s dance party kick today. I'll tell dude, you, dude. I saw it. That was hilarious. Woo-wee. Yeah, I did was my I did my Barack Obama, dude. Tell me, my Barack Obama is somewhat decent. 
I missed this. What's, what, what happened? So I was like, I was like, for, so I got the idea of what we're going to talk about. But basically, like, I started to, like, listen to a couple, like, 90s dance hits. Mm. One of them was uh, The Rhythm of the Night. You know yeah. that song? This yeah. is the rhythm of the night. Dude, the, the singer's name's Corona. Yeah. That's oh, a wow. bad omen. You cannot <laughs> know. That's not, we don't need that right now. But it started off, I was I was trying to say something, and then somehow I, I, I thought of myself as Barack Obama, and I did an impression of Barack Obama. really needs... Man, I almost—I felt like Barack Obama. <laughs> People, what this quarantine time really needs right now is a '90s dance party. That's awesome. So funny. Oh, Marky Mark and the Funky yep. Bunch, dude. Yeah. Oh, jeez, I didn't realize the volume still up. Let's see who you put. Yeah, you put Summertime. You put Montel Jordan on, which was pretty cool. Oh yeah. I like that you put Montel Jordan on. That was cool. So, <laughs> how's the quarantine? <laughs> oh, gosh. Um, Good. Yeah. <laughs> I went and looked at a house today. Sarah and I and the kids Ooh, went and looked at a new house. Hey, hey, hey. Yep. Um, we saw a house and Sarah sent it to me earlier at work. Um, and uh it was actually underneath our price than what we wanted to more than than what we wanted to spend. It was underneath what we were normally looking for. And uh then we got there and then it was really nice. Um, but I mean, as you guys know, when we bought this house, the fence at our house was really bad, so we had to redo the whole entire fence ourselves. Um, and, uh, yeah, that fence was a disaster and the f- house kind of had like a fun house effect, which kind of sucked, you know, cause it settled all weird. Um, it's not the, it wasn't even that old of a house. It was from like 1984. Um, but it had really cool, um, really cool kitchen, really nice kitchen. It was really clean, cool patio, nice backyard. It, it had a lot of cool stuff that we were looking for in house. Um, but unfortunately it, it was like, um, kind of like our realtor said, it was like a pig with lipstick on. There's just too much. Um, yeah, it was, there's too many red flags and mm-hmm. we were like, yeah, we totally agree with you on that. And it, it sucked, but at the same time, it's like, it's all good. Like, it's not a big deal. We'll get a house. We're like, I told, you know, Chad, like we're not in a hurry, you know, mm-hmm. it, if we find something then sweet, if we don't, that's okay. We'll just take our time. No rush. So that's been cool. Other than that, that's been, yeah, it's about a bit about it. What are you, Chad? Yeah, no, today we, um, uh, we just did some stuff around the house and then, um, I met a friend down in Sumner and walked to the trail along the river. Um, just hung out, caught up. Uh, yeah. So kind of broke the rules a little bit today, but Hey, whatever. But you kind of social distanced, right? I mean, yeah, the, the thing that's most annoying is like everybody else coming the other direction or behind you, uh-huh. like 75% of them don't socially distance so it's just like yeah. what are we doing here like this it's is like rustin way dude oh i bet that's that a complete is... loss like dude yeah goat rope i mean kind of but then there's also a lady it's crazy this lady uh we just had an all pierce college meeting and this lady said i don't know how i got it i'm gonna take the test uh i'm getting to te- i have all the symptoms but i don't know how i got it we were quarantining and we only, you know, we only went out this many times. It's like, okay, well, if you went to the store and then after the store, if you didn't, if you touched your face after that, like you basically have to like retrace yeah. your steps. Sure. Plus she was an older lady. So it's kind of like, well, if you're over 60, then the odds are not in your favor. It's just interesting that we talk about the social distancing and keeping it six feet away. But then if you go to grocery stores, 
you're walking by people in the aisles. Yeah, the aisles are only like four feet it's wide. Like, it's like yeah. you can't really be six feet apart. And no. and the thing is, and it's most of those things. It's like most people aren't sick, mm -hmm. but yet we're having to be in the house as if we are sick. Or yeah, as if there's I think something it's wrong. I think personally, it's a bit ridiculous. Asymptomatic stuff. I yeah, think, I think it's gotten to a point where it's just not necessary. I mean, right. I don't know. That's how I feel. But well, it's just interesting because, uh, you know, my family here, they, you know, they get the shot, the flu shot. Um, I know people that get the flu shot and still get sick and they still get some kind of symptom of the flu. And I haven't had the flu shot since probably that I can remember, maybe 15. And I don't ever get yeah. the flu. Like, and I understand like, you know, that's, but I, but even another guy I work with, he hasn't gotten in like 25 years and he doesn't even get the flu. Like, you know, it's just, it's one of those things. It's just, it's interesting. It's interesting that, that we're worried about this, but it, I mean, we see nurses going to the hospitals all the time and I understand that they're also, um, you know, taking precautions there, but they're constantly exposed to the coronavirus and they're fine. So every person's, you know, an asymptomatic person and they're all good. And I understand some are getting sick too. I get that also, but it's like, but you, I don't hear a bunch of, I don't hear a bunch of that stuff or Depends on which state you're in too. Sure. I think, uh, like New York, I think it's really bad there versus mm -hmm. our healthcare system. Isn't very overwhelmed. So yeah. Well, and yeah. I know and we that. had that, we had that conversation. What just yeah. this last week where yeah. we were talking about that. So my dad called me up and he's like, Hey, he's like, um, Hey, when you had the flu, do you think you had COVID? Mm. I'm like, could have been, could have been a thing of that. Possibly. Um, some people have taken antibody tests and they said, then they have proved that they had COVID like in January mm -hmm. and I had the flu in February mm. for a week a solid week before or a solid, well, there was two days where I didn't, where I was like kind of writing it out to see if I could mm -hmm. get over it or not. And I'm like, Nope. That's when I went to urgent care and they're like, yeah, you have, you know, based upon our testing. And I was, and that was at the time where it was just starting to come out and we didn't have tests at all. And so, yeah, it's uh that's pretty interesting. Cause I took Tamiflu and after the, the, um, all the Tamiflu, I was fine. Mm. So, but I could, I could have had COVID and then I may have antibodies, but I don't know that because sure. nobody's has the antibody test for me to take. So, yeah, I mean, I know it's a serious yeah. thing. I'm not, I mean, people have died. So obviously it's, it's clearly yeah. serious, you know? So, I mean, I don't want to end it on that as if I'm like, yeah, whatever, you'll be fine. But it's like, I understand, you know, but at the same time, there's so many things that just you know, constantly just don't add up. This can be open, but this has to be closed. You know, you can't yeah, go in exactly. a group of this many people, but then, oh, but over here, you can go in the group over here. You know, it's mm -hmm. like, you know, yeah, you I can think... be at the beach, but you can be in the Walmart. Like, how does that make sense? You know, you can't... Yeah, I think, like, I think people are like trying to, well, now there are some grocery stores like Whole Foods and some other places. If you're going to work in an enclosed environment, you better wear a mask and gloves. Mm -hmm. Like, you there's guys that, that I know at Lowe's what there's a dude that got shot because he was telling the lady to wear a mask mm. and she shot him he died and yeah, I, saw I, heard that. That. I heard that yeah yeah um i forget what store it was i heard about uh, it i didn't look into it though but yeah i know what you're talking about yeah no i saw it on twitter 
Josh from Reformatory works at Lowe's and they told him a couple of days ago, it's like, it's now mandatory that you wear a mask and gloves every time you come into work. Here it is. Three people charged in killing a family dollar security guard over mask policy. Wow. It's a That's dollar getting store. Little, yeah. Nice. A dollar store? <laughs> That's going to be pretty bad if you get a dollar store and you got a security guard there. First off. That dicks over there by Kent has a security guard. Well, that's Kent, of course. What do you expect? Bro, <laughs> I wouldn't even drive there. Those people. Oh, they'll get you. Yeah, they probably were like, no, nah, I ain't gonna wear no mask. Well, you're not getting in the store. You're mm-hmm. not telling me I ain't if going it's, to the if store it's company, America. yeah. If it's company policy. <laughs> yeah. Well, if it's a policy or anything like that. The safe way down the street here for me, they haven't I just go in there and wear masks because I just want to wear one. Sure. You know the thing that bothers me the most yeah. is like me and Janelle uh, went to the grocery store earlier today. So my mom watched the kids and uh, we, we both wore masks. But then you see elderly people just walking around, just free burden it. I'm just like, what is they're, wrong with this? Like, I don't. They're like, man, baby, I've lived most of my life. I'm all. Yeah, good. they're like, child, take me now, apparently. Child, let me tell you Ooh, something. baby child. <laughs> uh, they're like, we're out of minutes. We just want to go now. Yeah. <laughs> I don't need no more minutes on my life. It's like I live through I, too much. Just take me now, Lord. Yeah, yeah. I don't know if I mentioned it last week when we talked about this. My thing, my biggest pet peeve about this whole president. thing. Jeez. My, I'm editing that part out. Uh, my, uh, the biggest pet peeve that I have is when people wear masks and they don't cover their nose. Oh, like, that's yeah. my biggest pet peeve. I'm like, terrible. you're so stupid. Like, like do you, it's like if you're going to wear masks, just wear it. If you're not, don't wear it. Like, who cares? Just figure it out, though. So I've heard this a lot, but basically like a lot of articles are saying that wearing the mask is actually makes it worse for you. And I don't know why, but like my, my thought behind that would be that, okay, you're wearing a mask. So you feel, mm-hmm. so you feel more protected and confident. Mm-hmm. So then you don't maybe wash your hands as much or something, or you're like in public, you uh, do like you get closer to someone than you normally would essentially. Like I'm assuming, mm. assuming that's it's, the a, it's a preemptive measure to but like try and get you into a mode of doing this, something. But this is my thing about the mask. So we've, we've got masks, right? And we're putting them on our face and we're, you know, doing the little pinch thing on our nose. So it holds to our face and, or you've got the big, the big cloth masks that are over your face. The coronavirus is so tiny. Do you think that it's just only attacking your face from the front? It's going to come through the top part, the side <laughs> parts. If you got a beard, it's not yeah. covering ceiling. So it's, it's going to come through your mask up into your face. Like, uh, actually, just, here's so a good weird. point. Jack said it earlier. You're going in the store, you're grabbing items, you get to your car. You take off your mask. Yeah, you touch, right. you touch your, your face. Right. Like right. that's why Janelle has hand sanitizer before we get to the car and take yeah. it off. Mm-hmm. Like sanitize. Yeah. So no one's doing that. If, it's if ridiculous. people couldn't wash their hands for the last, you know, four thousand years, <laughs> like why are they gonna wash their hands taking off their mask while they're getting to their right. car? Right. Ain't gonna happen. It's really dumb. So just lift the ban. Everyone who dies will, you know, die. So if they die, they die. If they Dang. die, they die. Y'all cold blooded. There you go. The the cover for this could be of Drago when he says that to Rocky or to uh, Apollo. If, if he, he dies, dies, he, he dies. dies. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh, you guys killing me. I actually have some exciting news. Oh. Oh. So you're not co- you're no longer considered essential now. 
<laughs> I wish. Um, no, the uh, I read an article. Uh, the commissioner of Major League Baseball um, authorized uh, a team to basically start the season. They're going to host games there um, because they can like they've successfully over the last 10 years been able to have fans succeed feet apart. It's the Seattle Mariners. <laughs> Got you, Byron. Got you good, son. Oh, sorry. I just see. I can't hear you guys. <laughs> I'll send you the meme. You already did. It's not funny. The first wasn't funny the first time. Wasn't funny the time that you just explained it. When I saw that, I was like, "Oh my goodness, dude, it's so good." Winning, so good. winning. Man. Oh, and that's why I make all of our posts. Chad, you sound stupid. <laughs> I mean, you do that on your own. I just keep. <laughs> you just. I'm. I'm just sharing it. Oh, and then the a- actual news, not CNN. Um, but uh, uh, Dustin Nickerson is going to be doing. Oh, a yeah. Live comedy that. night on I May 17th that. for ten bucks. Uh-huh. So, on Zoom, you can jump in and watch some free family-friendly comedy. Um, well, it's not free cause $10, but yes. Oh yeah, I guess whatever. <laughs> Some good family comedy for 10 bucks. So dude, his stuff uh, is so hilarious, especially on yeah. the teenagers not being human. That is a great bit that he does. I was like, yeah. he's got like, he has, I, I feel that he has mastered, uh, like clean family comedy because like he, he goes like in the areas of where things are really funny, but he's able to like make it, uh, clean essentially like he i don't know he just he's able like like a lot of comedians have to like it's got to be a bad joke or a dirty joke or a sick joke or a dark joke but like uh-huh. i feel like in the realm that he is in he does a really good job towards not cheesy essentially so that he's not being the stereotypical christian comedian christian comedian yeah exactly <laughs> so dude yeah, yeah. I think, no, his stuff's really good. I like it. And it's very, um, I think he effortlessly, effortlessly um, mm. is very kind of, I don't know, clean in his content and not crass. So yeah. Is he on Spotify? Do. How do you listen to him normally? Uh, well, if you on just YouTube. go to oh, YouTube. Yeah, on YouTube, Dustin Nickerson, um, and then all of his, like Twitter, Instagram, it's at Dustin Nickerson. Hmm. So is he sponsoring us now? No, he's not. Uh, no. Okay. Okay. He, then, uh, he gave us a shout out on his uh, Instagram story one time. That's cool. Yeah. So thought that was nice. Gave us half a listener for one episode. <laughs> it's, pro- it's probably the guy that we Three just fourths. Three fourths a listener. <laughs> yeah. It was probably uh, Bruticus Lee. <laughs> Why? Yeah, Bruticus he's gonna, Lee. Now he's not going to ever follow us again. Yeah. <laughs> he's like, he's like, yeah. By the way, uh, Bruticus, if you are listening, thanks, man. Big ups to you. Oh, yeah. We love you. We, lo- we love you. That was <laughs> super breathy. <laughs> I know. Yeah. Well, I was exhaling too. So, do do the listeners want to know what the content is of this episode? Yeah, let's do it. Because Give it to I him. got a question for y'all. What is love? Baby, don't hurt me. What is love? Baby, don't hurt me. Don't hurt me. So we're talking about, so getting back to the matter at hand, um, we're talking about love. It's big. 
it's a big top it's a big love's a big thing to swallow yeah, yeah. uh i don't know if you about, swallow love but well, you know ingest it ingest ingest it inject it maybe i don't know <laughs> cultivate it you definitely cultivate it I yeah mean, that's, that's true bang i'm sure um so yeah we're talking about love and relation to biblical manhood and basically how are we to love like jesus as men of god and that's not in the bad sense that we talked about last week but uh so so um looking at philippians that uh, passage that we have been looking at like right out out of the gate that scripture there yeah. uh, it talks about love in that uh in verse basically verse one verse or actually just verse one so if there is any encouragement in christ any comfort from love any participation in the spirit any affection and sympathy verse two complete my joy paul says by being of the same mind having the same love being in full accord and of one mind so he says that before he starts basically talking about Jesus, mm-hmm. but I think that's kind of the, uh, he wants to get us in that mode because uh, newsflash, Jesus is love, if y'all didn't know that. Um, I don't know. I think that I've been pretty encouraged these last couple of weeks. I've been reading uh, a book called Tying the Knot, pre-engagement, it's for pre-engagement counseling and uh, the author's do. Yeah. This boy gets serious. What is love? I found <laughs> I found me one. <laughs> so she, she like prettier uh, than I. My, my girlfriend and I are going through this book with our mentors that we know in at Resurrection Church and um the Haynes. And uh it's get this last iteration was talking about Christ at the center. And it was talking about basically all the first uh Corinthians. 13s like love is patient love is kind and uh this is something that we can talk about so and we talked about it even in that counseling session these last counseling sessions we've had we've had which are really good and encouraging but um so the love like everybody uses that whole first corinthians 13 passage in their wedding like it doesn't matter if they're christian or not they're using that passage right how can we practically take what's in that passage, what Paul says here, um, being of in the same love with one another and first Corinthians 13, actually like apply it versus just kind of flimsy, you know, flippantly saying, Oh, love is, it's like very, like you're trying to be poetic, but then it it doesn't really change you at all. I feel like in, in weddings Mm. that I know that the, that the brand, the groom aren't Christians, they'll use that text but that's not going to even transform them at all in their marriage, you know? Yeah. Yeah. You guys I think would, about that. No, it, since I've photographed a lot of, uh, quite a few weddings. Yeah. Um, I hear that constantly being used and I know the couple aren't Christians or, um, professing Christians. Um, I would say that the, you know, it, it is definitely one of those verses that is overused in a way that is just like it's just it's overused in, in a way that it, it almost loses its meaning of what it's trying to what it what it's conveying uh-huh. and unfortunately i've seen since photographing weddings and i've heard these 
people have taken their vows and stuff and only to find out, you know, a couple years later or a year later or something, they're divorced. Yeah. You know, yeah. And, it, and it's really interesting because I always think about, I always think about that moment back at their vows that they're, that they're talking and confessing their love to each other. And then they're using, you know, um, you know, first Corinthians 13 and, 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 and it's almost, it makes me sometimes think like, is it more of like a self purpose? Like, I'm just saying this so that I can convey like, oh yeah, I love you right now, but I'm not truly meaning that when things get hard that I actually am going to be sacrificial or I'm not going to be, you know, patient with you and kind and, 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 you know, arrogant and rude and all these things that mm -hmm. I know the list goes on and on and on. And I do like um, one of it, it says, love does not rejoice in wrongdoing, but it, uh, it um, what is it? It rejoices in truth. Mm -hmm. And I, and I think that sometimes what happens with that verse is I think that people also forget about that. Also, they would rather um, tend to look at more of the negative times rather than seeing what, I guess what their vows were. And I think that sometimes that the, 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 it can just be hollow. It can just be really empty. I don't know if I'm just going off and just kind of thinking because you just asked the question now. No, you, I'm no, trying to I work think, through it. No, you're on the right um, track because that actually plays into a lot of what the book says. And it says that uh, most people, when mm -hmm. they want to get married or when they quote unquote love each other, it's yeah. only because they want to, they do the same things together or they have some sure. sort of the same hobbies or some of the same like positions, political positions, maybe, or something What's like that. What's the benefit of knowing that, you know, I'm assuming Christian households, I'm, I'm sure they abuse it just as much. Yeah. Um, you know, also the aspect of knowing what, even though they're saying the, the verse, not saying they're thinking about this, but it's like, they're doing that also, like you said, they align with hobbies they do or things that they're interested in. And then it's also the thought of like, oh, well, we also get to take these vows. And with these vows, then we also get to experience, you know, what also comes after marriage as well, you know, and then base their whole foundation of their relationship on things that are this love that's more self-serving rather than like self-sacrificial that like what we've been talking about throughout this, these last six weeks, yeah. you know, of, of what it looks like to be someone that mirrors Christ in our relationship through serving, through being humble, um, you know, through our identity in Christ, rather it's... Yeah, I think that like when you look at Jesus, you see Jesus and at the pinnacle of his attributes, you have love, but then everything below that, like humility and um, being a servant and um, being obedient, like all those things uh, are also attributes of Christ. But like, I mean, he always elevated uh, the love attribute you know mm -hmm. um because he's he's like you know without that you're you're literally nothing you're a noisy gong um yeah, what paul says I, right exactly so like you know we literally cannot do anything without first um having love involved you know like you know if you're if you're going to do something because you care or because it's important you know if you're doing it for yourself then it's not going to be beneficial to anyone but yourself and it's going to end in despair, honestly. Um, but if you're doing it because you truly love someone or you love, uh, you know, something, if it's a program or something that just whatever, like, like love has to be there. Love is paramount. So here's a, here's a, here's a, th before we get into anything else. So here's a quote just to back what you set up, Chad it says, the author says, think about it. If your definition of love is little more than, the warm fuzzies, physical attraction, this is within the context of marriage, but it's mm -hmm. still placed, and the ability to have fun together, your relationship may demonstrate not how much you love the other person, but how much 
you each love yourself. Yeah, that's ex- yeah. So what exactly. you and then he says what you have found is a person who helps you love you better than anyone else has. So mm. that's a sobering thought. <laughs> how 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 could we or how could you maybe reform how people see this first then? Of the of love of yeah. First Corinthians. Yeah. It, yeah, like I mean, I mean, yeah. we see this first, right? And we see it, and then, but then, in relationship, in relation to God and His love. Yeah, I would say that all those attributes that you're seeing when Paul is saying love is patient, love is kind, those are all attributes of Christ. That the love that He's talking about is not this pie in the sky, vague love. It's embodied in the person work of Jesus. So everything that Paul's saying is an an attribute of Jesus. In what Jesus has done or is doing currently with us, hmm. um, I would say that's a that's a thing we need to look at more. Versus, I think usually what people think of when they think of that love verse is like, oh, love is, and it's like this cloud hmm. in the sky that they're yeah. like just throwing kind of virtues at. Versus, no, what Paul is talking about is the person of Jesus. Like he's embodied, he's the embodiment of love, and that's how. Uh, he shows us love because he's patient. He's kind with us. He doesn't hold grudges against us. But then also it plays into just what Paul said even before that. He's like, if I am willing to die for the faith, but I don't have love, I'm nothing. And that mm-hmm. should sober us up too, because a lot of us want to do these great things for God, or oh yeah, maybe some people want to be pastors and some people want to do this. And some people want to do that. It's like, But if you don't have love and compassion for other people, for other image bearers, to see them meet Christ and to love them in a very sacrificial way, it's like you're not you're you're missing it. You're not Mm. you're not showing what Jesus is actually all about. So yeah, no, that's that's good because it's like it it makes you. But then it makes you also think, or at least it makes me think. um, There are different kinds of love that we see in the Bible. Sure. You know, um, and, you know, and how we relate with other people, how we relate with our spouses, you know, mm-hmm. close friends. I mean, we see Jonathan and David, you know, or yeah. Yeah. Wait. Yeah. yeah. And, uh, you know, like, dude, sound real smart. Can you get it right? No. Uh, but, um, you know, we yeah, see Rachel how Jesus was married to Abraham and uh, Sarah was, was married uh, and, to and Adam. Wrong. wrong. Adam. <laughs> that was last week I did that, right? Yeah, you did. <laughs> How would we explain the love that we have for like maybe a parent for their children or um, you know, their wife compared to God's love for his people? Yeah, well, I mean, if you break down, I mean, because there's certain there's certain um in Greek you have different certain words of love are gonna mean certain things. So agape love is I'm pretty sure the love Paul's talking about in Philippians that we just read, the love for one another, that's more of like a brotherly familial love. Mm. Uh, Eros is that more physical intimacy love. Uh, I think storge kind of goes within that too. And I'm trying to remember the other one. I can't remember the other one, but there's different loves within the Greek that explain those different facets and dimensions that you're talking about, Byron, that you Mm -hmm. see with a parent and their child or a husband and uh, his wife in an intimate relationship or um, two brothers, you know, 
So, or a family member with another family member. So, yeah. As we're going on this topic of biblical manhood, mm-hmm. and there's those, like you said, there there was, I don't know how to say all of them. You got have the agape. Then you said eros. Yeah, so you have... And, yeah. Which is romantic love. Um, so you have mania, which is possessive, dependent love. Eros, okay. which is romantic, passionate love. Okay. Agape, which is selfless love. Storge, which is friendship love pragma which is like a it's like a shopping list love okay. um it, and then like a ludus which is like more like a game playing love hmm. but then there's like other ones like um so you have like phila which is more of a uh, feeling part of a team or ludus like i said playing fun exciting mania is like obsessive um stuff like that so you have different those different dimensions of love that are that that different languages kind of pick up on more that the bible uses yeah okay because i mean i know that there there are different ways of expressing love or exploring i guess if i don't know i don't even know if that's the right word exploring love as men how do we express all of these other loves should we give more well, attention to you know one more over the other i don't know i i feel like the agape love is the to me it stands out as the 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 supreme one because i mean it's selfless like you're loving no matter what and um you know that's how i feel god loves us and then you know you can break down love into different categories mm-hmm. essentially like you know the way i love blake um it's not going to be the same way I love Janelle. Like uh-huh. it's much different. It's more complex, yeah. right? Yeah. There, there, there's a deeper intimate relationship there. Um, and you know, God designed it that way. Um, and it kind of naturally happens, but, uh, um, but yeah, I think like, I think that agape love is meant to, you know, serve people essentially. Like I love you so much that I would do anything for you. Um, now, you shouldn't have agape love for baseball or right. uh, yeah. Xbox or something. You know, I think yeah. that's where people get into trouble is because they, they like, they will do anything for whatever they love, you know, most. So, you know, are you going to sacrifice other people for something that you're idolizing um, that is not holy? Uh, you know, I think that's where love starts to be, taken advantage of because you know we're not prevented from having that type of love towards something that's sinful or something that you know like a sport or something like that mm-hmm. um but jack you did mention one love that one word of love that was like for mm-hmm. sport or something right i think it was like uh ludus or some type of like yeah when you're when you're, when you're doing some type of like game playing yeah, it's interesting. I've never heard of all those different. It's like play, types. exciting, play, fun. Uh, I don't know so if like, there's anything behind that, but I'm just reading off of like a. But like a, so like my question is, when you hear that, these kind of expressions of love, it's like again, does it go back to kind of like we were talking about First Corinthians 13? Does it kind of empty its meaning of what God's love? When we talk about God's love for mankind, you know. When we say, oh, I, you know, oh, I love my phone or, oh, I love my wife, you know, oh, I love my kids or, oh, uh-huh. I love my house, you know, things like that. Do we, do we lessen? I think so. 
if we say that we love something, mm-hmm. um, I don't know. I would say that I like I yeah. like to do certain things, but I would I would rather uh, reserve saying I love something for people within my family or actual people versus like inanimate objects or like material things, you know? Yeah. But then I, I tell think you also, what though, like, sorry, Jack, go ahead. Uh, but then I also think that there needs to be a balance. Like there's a challenge to you to balance out uh, your loves. Um, it's your job to be uh, balanced in your loves. Mm-hmm. So if you, if you are finding kind of what you were saying, Chad, too, of like if you're finding yourself loving, you know, watching a baseball game or maybe like a movie in the same way that you do your wife, probably something wrong there. <laughs> I'm just going to say that right now. Yeah. I mean, I'm not married, but I'll, 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 I'll bet dollars to donuts that there's something wrong there, that there's some sort of idolatry going on there versus yeah. an actual like uh, a love that God wants for you and your spouse or you and your kids. So, yeah, I was going to say, um, when I'm actually playing baseball, like mm. I love it. Like sure. it is so much fun. Um, like it would be an understatement to say, I like playing baseball. Mm-hmm. Like I, I know for sure that I love playing baseball. Um, but it's the kind of love that like, because I love the excitement that comes from it. I love the challenge of it. I love the complexity of it. Um, and you know, just playing baseball is a blast because it takes everybody to play it. Um, and when everyone comes together to play it, it's just a blast. You have a lot of fun. Um, so I, I really like it like sports in general for me, like I, I get a lot of joy from doing that. And, um, I think growing up, even at church, like a youth group, um, developed a lot of relationship through playing sports and having fun with people. So like, I think that as you have experiences in life, it enables you to grow closer to people because you get to know them in a different way and you develop a, a liking or a loving of that person or that, or that type of moment, you know, within sports or something to where you experience that much joy and it kind of cultivates love essentially. So yeah, some of the, some of the discussion that we're saying too is like what we call just semantics. So Mm -hmm. I mean, yeah, you, you you can say certain things and stuff like that, and they can still have like a good connotation with you not having like the intent of like, oh, I'm being idolatrous right now or something like that. But I think that's what the Greek language does a little bit better, and some other languages do yeah. a lot better with the biblical, like the original biblical languages of Greek and Hebrew. They explain that love way better than English because English is like, I can say I love something, but there's like what's the difference between that and you loving your kids or your wife or, yeah, you know, there's you not can enough, say, yeah, are words. you loving, you know, yeah. I love my car. Well, is that the same of this? Right. And I think in, in Greek, you can get, you can kind of tease out what you actually mean versus in English, a little bit more broader brush strokes there, you know, and what we mean. So, mm. but then that's a way too of like checking your heart and, Mm-hmm. You know, do you love an inanimate object more than you love your wife and your kids or your family or your church family too? Um, I don't know. So how do, so 
so some that something that um, tends to be an interesting thing in our culture is that we in the Bible we see guys we see men men you know in camaraderie in like loving each other in old you know mm-hmm. ancient times like men being close together and almost being like um, as if they're one flesh. I know that sounds weird, but like they were close to each other, they loved each other, they had each other's back. Um, um, obviously, you guys have an, a military background. Um, understand that kind of deep com- camaraderie when you guys are like in a, I don't know, a when battle you're, or when you know, you're living or, when you're living on the same bunk bed for yeah, a year, right? You know, or so you're it's living like, within feet of each other all the friggin' time. <laughs> so how yeah. do you so so and then in a culture when you get out of that it comes out and it, now it's weird for like guys to hug you or go hey man I love you or yeah you know um so how do you how do how do how can we like encourage guys to be like hey it's okay to have those deep meaning relationships like it's okay to have yeah. like a love for your brother you know it's okay to say hey man i love you and it not be like this weird yeah thing i i think byron you've touched on something that is uh i don't know it's 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 extremely rare and uh mm-hmm. you know from a from a military perspective i think that you know, I experienced um, brotherhood, but like I, I've experienced it before with one friend of mine that mm-hmm. in high school, you know, we would uh, or after high school, uh, it was right before I went in the army. Um, like we were close, like he's my best friend. And, um, you know, we when we got off the phone after I got on the army, like we would tell each other that we loved each other. Um, because we have like we in a short amount of time we went through a decent amount together and we protected each other through a lot and so you just grow close when you go through things like that and you protect each other and uh you know when you're at war you know like everybody is there because they are down to die for you and um that type of bond Mm -hmm. is like i don't there's there's nothing close to it like i mean i was telling janelle the other night i was like you know when you we're we're talking about uh giving birth and stuff and uh i told her i was like in that moment like because men can have periods too (laughs) yeah sorry go ahead in those moments like i felt as if i was back in afghanistan and i and i had a had a buddy in front of me that was basically dying and in so much pain Mm. and you just like want to fight so hard for that person but you Mm. are powerless you can do nothing except for in afghanistan maybe the next day you go and kill a few bad guys and you feel a little better but there's nothing that can take back that pain and uh anyways it's just there there i think there's a bond there that is um like i can't really describe it uh a lot of guys get out and they are depressed because they don't have their friends and with them anymore. Their brothers, people that they, um, you know, fought alongside and watched other people die. Um, and like, nobody really talks and says like, Hey man, I will die for you. It's just mm-hmm. a given. And like so when you know, thing. yeah, when, when you know the guy next to you and the guy next to him and the guys over there, like they're all in it to protect you and keep you safe and you're there to do the same like when you have that oh my goodness you're close like it's insane um and being back here away from that 
it's extremely rare to find that. And when you find that, you don't want to let it go because it is so rare. Um, so when you talk about like guys hanging out together and being real with each other and, and having each other's backs, like, like literally if something went down right now, you know, who could I call that would come over and would have my back and help me protect whatever's happening. Right. Mm -hmm. Or just be there for me. Like who's willing to sacrifice anything for me and who am I, you know, able to sacrifice anything for like i think it's outside of war i think maybe having that conversation with someone to let them know like hey like i really care about you i love you if you ever need me call me and i'll be there because yeah. if you don't talk about it then it's just not known like no one knows that you feel that way about that person that you'll do anything for them yeah. and i feel like i'm just having that realization now because like mm -hmm. since i've gotten out and I've been up here isolated from everyone I know in California and my family, you know, we've built over the last 13 years, really strong relationships. And, um, you know, I think that having that conversation is important so that you know where you stand with your friends and they know where you stand. The expectation is spoken and that bond is there because I think it is healthy to like, you know, those friends that you're close with and your brothers with like, it's okay to let them know that you love them and they love yeah. you, yeah. you know, like I think that's healthy. And I think that so many guys desire that they just don't know how to communicate it. And I think by having a simple conversation being like, dude, if you were ever to get like jumped or something, I'd be right there mm -hmm. and I would be fighting alongside you. You know what I mean? Like if you know someone's going to do that or, or maybe like your family's going somewhere and you're out of town, it's like, who do you trust with your family? Yeah. You know, like who can help them out, you know, when they're in need and, and you're gone, like having someone like that, man, it can help you get through a lot. And it's a benefit if they know Jesus, obviously. Uh, but, but yeah, I think having someone like that from a man's perspective, I think that's paramount. I think the biggest thing too, that you're talking about Byron is, the thing that I think that we struggle with as a society a lot with in that we compartmentalize a lot of things and then we mm. over-sexualize everything. Mm. Yes. So yes. when we talk about the relationship David and Jonathan had very close, uh, very personable, there is a friendship, there is a deep abiding love, right? Mm -hmm. Um, I think in our modern day in America, we would say, oh, that's borderline homoerotic, borderline homosexual. That's not how you love. Yeah. Versus, well, what are they, what, how is their love that way? And why do we say that? And I think, well, one, because we over sexualize things and our, our Western culture to the point where if I say something, if I do these certain things, then it's almost like I'm doing them in this like uh, omissional sexual way versus no, I'm doing those things because I because I care about that person and I want to sacrifice for them and I have a deep abiding friendship with them, which is love. Um, so I think one part is that our society has made these like kind of unwritten, unsaid rules of can't do that. If you start doing that, then people are going to think that you're, you know, borderline homosexual or something along those lines. I think that's one problem. And then I think the other problem is compartmentalizing it. Like Chad said, 
you know, I think a lot of guys, especially people who are in the military who have come out of a combat zone, uh, I think we're told and we're conditioned to be like, oh, well, that's over there. We're not going to deal with it over here. It's like, no, you're going to deal with it over here and it's going to be worse because you're actually going to be isolated more. You're not going to be in the same dynamic that you were. Like, you're not going to be living with two or three other guys in the same room that you wake up, you talk about your life with them, you share what's going to go on, you play games, you talk to them about random stupid stuff that you may not talk to anybody else about in your life. Um, that kind of, and then you come back and you don't have that. What do you have? You have everybody's living on their own. Everybody's separated. And then that's why you have a really high suicide rate because you're not in that same community dynamic that you were in Afghanistan or Iraq or in a, in a certain combat zone you were in. You're in a dynamic of, oh, it's fend for yourself. It's radical um, self-reliance versus an actual communal healthy dependence. And I think that's a game changer when you talk about uh, what does love look like between men within the church. I think exactly what Chad said, somebody who has your back, somebody who knows that if you go down, you're going to be right there taking care of their kids or their wife or anything. You do anything for that person. That's the type of love that Jesus has for us, really. And that's how he showed it on the cross. Um, and so, but I think that gets... Um, it's a, there's a lot of stereotypes and stigmas in our culture, because if you do something that's sacrificial or more emotional, maybe then you're going to be labeled as, Oh, you're, you're light in the loafers or <laughs> you're on borderline, you're borderline, you know, homosexual or something like that. It's like, no, you're not. It's like, you're displaying the love of God to that person on a practical way. It's just breaking cultural barriers, I would say. Yeah. Well, it's interesting because as you say that, I'm thinking to myself, like, it, it almost sounds like a weird fear of man, too, because you said that, you know, people are feeling like, oh, you know, I might be labeled as like maybe homosexual or something because I'm more in touch and I, or not more in touch, but like, I, you know, that I, I do love my brothers. And it's like, there's like this fear of man of being labeled as something that you're not, but the truth is you want to express that you do love people but you're afraid of the outcome of what other people might think of you as mm -hmm. because you're expressing that appropriately. Mm -hmm. But yet if we don't give examples to these men about how, what a healthy relationship looks like between men, then we're, then men are always going to have that fear or that stigma of being like, well, I'm, I'm just going to be, they're just going to think I'm weak or. And I'm, then they're you know, never, and then they're never going to get any help in their life. Yeah, exactly. And there's never going to be any real transformation in their life because yeah, they're stifling the Holy Spirit, the work of the Holy Spirit, I feel like, in right. a sense. Because if you hold things, if you bottle up emotions and what you feel all the time, and mm -hmm. you don't let that out, and you don't talk to somebody about that, it's like that that's doing more harm to yourself oh, yeah. than you think it does. And, you know, I have guys in my DG, some of them are way more expressive and emotional mm -hmm. than others, but sure. I've always told them, and I've always, and I think this is a, this is the onus on uh, leaders within the church uh, to say, hey, when we come into DG and we're meeting, it's a, like, we're not here to slander anybody. Mm -hmm. We're here to have pe each other's back. 
And if somebody is in a very deep, dark place, we need to rally around them. And if they're going through something, we do not slander them, do not talk behind their back. So like just those values yeah. go a long way versus I feel like our, our, I feel like the culture within the military, at least within the officer corps, maybe Chad can't relate to this because the officer corps is a weird, he's not even listening, crazy no. place. But the officer corps, there was a time where somebody said, you know, they, uh, a higher ranking officer came to me and it's like, Hey, Hey Jack, you know why we call each other by our first names? Cause it's pretty synonymous that officers in the army call each other by their first names, unless you're a higher ranking talking to a higher rank, but they're like, we call each other by our first names. So it's easy when the knife goes in that person's back when you have to like do something. And I'm like, what? Mm -hmm. I'm like, so you're just basically like doing this to like appease people so you can stab them in the back. It's very like, when I heard that, I'm like, what on Strange. earth is that? Um, it was very eye-opening when I heard that. I'm like, that has no place in the military, to be quite honest, if you say that. And, I mean, yeah, there's there's stuff like that that, that has no place in the church. Yes. Uh, that kind of value, that kind of um, attitude, that has no place in the church. Um, and so how, how, do I, how do I start, how do I be countercultural in that sense? Mm-hmm. Because, you know, I think I've said this before, but when God says, you know, be holy as I am holy, he's calling us to be completely other than. That's the literal definition of um, holy in the Hebrew, to be completely other than. God wants, God is completely other than us, and he wants us to be completely other than culture and society. He's calling us to that and being we need to be countercultural in that way. And so I guess, how are we showing that? Well, I think it's kind of just like uh, Chad, you know, touched on it. It's when you're saying goodbye to be able to just be like, Hey man, I love you. Love you mm-hmm. guys. You know, like you guys doing this with this. Like I know there's only the one word, like you said, like I enjoy doing this. Like I love doing this with you guys. Cause I do love you guys. And it's, it's one of those things where it's, it shouldn't, I think it starts with just being able to be like, you know what? I don't really care what other people think because it's important. It's like, it's like you have a child, right? You do all these things for your kid or you do all these things for your wife and you do all these things. And at the end, they're like, I just wish that my dad would have said, I loved you, Mm. you know? And it's like, he, he's bought me everything. He's done everything for me, but he's never said, I loved you. And it's, well, you know, it was the time that I was raised in. And, And I get that too. I understand that. But it's like how to get out of that is to be that person that you're maybe your dad wasn't, you know, that's something I'm definitely learning with not parents or, you know, not having parents around me growing up to be able to express to my children that I love them and then show them in action, but then also express it to them also with words. And it's the same thing with my wife, you know, getting to know her, showing her that I love her. And it's, or it's just like, even like you guys getting to know you guys be with you guys more, um, you know, in a way of like, you know, what are your interests? You know, what are you into? you know, all that stuff. And then expressing that I love you guys. I think like you said, just even Chad, just when you leave people, just being able to say, I love you, you know, and it's instead I love of, you too. I know, whispers, <laughs> actually whispering super weird and creepy, but, um, but it is one of those things, just not worrying about who's going to sit there and make, make fun of you or whatever. And just really tell people like, Hey man, like, I love you. 
I care for you are of value importance to me. You know, and you're not just, you're not just here for my own. Like we talked about, about the first Corinthians 13. Like we talked about it being like us people taking that, those verses and use them as a self love, as something mm-hmm. that's self-serving that our relationships, even with each other shouldn't be something that is self-serving. Um, or I th- yeah. Or I think even in our common age too, people, people have relationships or do certain things because our society is really focused around consumerism mm-hmm. and transactions. And so it's like, if I have, you know, I don't think we necessarily do this, but I think we subconsciously do this. Like I do this because if in order that I get this transaction, that gives me more joy or endorphins or something along those lines, mm-hmm. which is no, you do it because <laughs> you do it because you care about that person and you're really showing compassion and the love of Christ for that person. You're not doing it because, Oh, I'm going to get this, you know, jolly out of my life in order to do this. And I think may I honestly, I think a lot of marriages are built upon consumerism and transactions because I think our culture uh, shows that a lot too. And so it's good for me to have a wife so I can consume her in, you know, mm-hmm. X, Y, and Z way, or it's good that I have a wife because it shows people that I have this legitimized transaction going on. Mm-hmm. That's like kind of blessed off by society. And so I don't know. I see that a lot happening. I see, and that's uh, partially leads into secularism. That's why we have problems in the church. And that's, I think that those things are, are secular and those are not helping. Mm-hmm. And that's why you're having such this clash of ideas about what, what you were talking, what you led in with the question with Byron of why do we have this problem? Well, it's because we're dealing with a secular society and God's calling us to be completely other than the secular society. And it's tough. So what do you think, Chad? I mean, I know you haven't been listening for the last like half hour, but you know, cause you, yeah, you didn't get no. to talk. So, I mean, I get well, that. Just so you guys know, um, like both of you are guys that I would do anything for love you to death. And if you need me for anything, I'll be there. Um, I think you guys know that, but I think obviously from what I said, I need to verbalize that. And I don't know if I've ever verbalized it. Um, it might've just been maybe, I don't know, maybe it's just known or maybe not, but now I know it's clear because mm. I said it. Get it, girl. No excuses now. No excuses. <laughs> <laughs> No, I appreciate that, man. I think I think it is one of those things. Uh, again, I I know that again, uh, us starting a podcast together. Also, it's one of those things that we should be able to say "I love you" on the air and, and not be awkward or weird. You yeah. know, it's just like, "Hey, man, like I love you. How you guys doing?" You know, kind of thing. Uh-huh. What's been going on? You know, and when people come in and maybe become a part of this, you know, more, which we obviously we hope that 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 happens. Um, and the sisters also in Christ that we just say, Hey, you know, I love you. Like, it's not weird that I've said that. I love you to another guy. But I do know that there are men that do struggle in the church thinking that like, kind of like you said, Jack, that, that they want to say, or they'd like to do it. It's like, that's what they want, but they just don't, you know? And I, I find that really interesting that, that you want to do that, but you just Mm -hmm. don't, I I don't know. I just find it. 
I was going to say something that's funny is like you can tell the guys that like want to say they love you, but mm-hmm. like they'll say in a text, like in general to your family, we love you guys. We're praying or, or yeah. thanks for yeah. whatever. We love you guys. <laughs> like, bro, you're just talking to me, man. I know <laughs> what you're saying. I know yeah. what you're saying. I ain't going to go tell Janelle. Like, <laughs> right. Yeah. Right. right. Yeah. It's funny. That's so funny. <laughs> I think too, just, um, I need to cut that out then. <laughs> <laughs> I think uh I think a lot of guys I've seen it more commonly within like the Pacific Northwest but there's mm. like a which is weird. Well, well, no, well, I didn't say what I'm going to well, here's what I find more common in the Pacific Northwest is that I feel like there's more deep wounds of fatherlessness even though maybe uh there's been like a a shell of like having a dad, but really like that fatherhood was pretty much based upon the dad, just like putting food on the table and that's it. Not, not having a deep relationship with their son saying, Hey, I love you. Mm -hmm. Or, and, and then exhibiting what that looks like, because I don't know if it's just me, you guys can back me up or not, but I feel like a lot of guys that I talk to within our local church of a majority of men have not had a, a kind of really abiding, good, loving relationship with their dad. And then it affects how they raise their kids mm-hmm. and they're kind of like trying, it's really tough for them because yeah. they haven't had those. And I've confessed this too with some people of like, it's probably going to be, it's going to be a little bit of a rocky road uh, in fatherhood because Mm. I'm going to be the first Christian male in Mm. my family to lead my kids in a way that's honoring to the Lord uh, versus generations past that my dad doesn't know what that looks like. Mm -hmm. My grandfather didn't know what that looks like. My great grandfather Mm. didn't know what that looks like. So that's kind of, there's a certain pressure to that, but then there's also a, uh, I think, uh, God really is showing me a lot of just like, Hey, then ask other people how they've done that. Mm. Like abide in them and ask them and confide in them and say, Hey, how did you do this? Knowing that you had this in your family lineage and you want to have a legacy of Christ and a legacy of sacrificial biblical love for your kids and your wife, knowing that you're basically breaking that chain. So it's kind of tough. Um, not going to lie, but I see that more often in, I feel like the Pacific Northwest out of all places, I find that a little bit more common or maybe it's because we're just, I don't know. I haven't spent significant amount of time in like other parts of the country, but I feel like in other parts of the country, there's a little bit more familiarity to a certain degree, but I think people are more isolated up here. You know, Mm -hmm. the culture I grew up in in California, everyone was very inclusive. You're all outside and a lot more together than us. Uh, Whereas up here, it's kind of segregated and everyone has their own life. It's really, it's also a dense population. And I drew, Mm -hmm. I grew up in a town that was at the time, it's about 60,000 people. And now we're in an area where there's, you know, three to 4 million people or whatever it is. And there's a lot going on. So it's so it's harder to have better community because we're just so large. People can disappear and not have to be included with their neighbors and stuff. So before we end this and stuff, uh, I was just thinking, like, how do we how do we encourage guys to get out there and um, 
not to be cliche, like love each other, but like really like love each other. Like how, who, you know, not you, you touched on not having dads, you know, there's, there are a lot of men that I know that have kids and they're, I'm not going to say that they're horrible dads, but I would just say they're not ex- very good dads. And I'm not saying mm-hmm. I'm the standard by any means, uh-huh. but it's just the, the, the thing is since there's a cycle that they weren't given a good example of what it looks like to be a dad, a good dad, um, or straight up just not a biblical father. Like they didn't have that example of what it means to actually raise their boys or their daughters in the way of the Lord and honoring him in a way that is that agape love. And so how, do, how can we encourage some guys to like to do that? I think part of it's going to have to be uh, self-examination. Mm. <laughs> I think part of it is going to have to recognize and maybe bounce this off with, you know, people who are in your church, people who are your neighbors or um, people who you, who know you the best ask them and say, Hey, do you see these qualities in me that are a little bit concerning? I would just say, try and take those first steps. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, I think so often we just like, we value, you know, marriage and over singleness and stuff like that. But then when you get into it, like it is not what a lot of people thought they expected. Mm -hmm. It's harder. And it's way more intense uh, than they expected versus I think a cliche version of marriage maybe, but I think the first step is going to have to be self-examination. And then do you have men that you can actually legitimately say anything to? And they wouldn't, they wouldn't bat an eye. They'd say, you can tell, you can talk to me about anything. Mm-hmm. And I know both you you, Byron and Chad, we've talked to each other about everything and anything. Mm -hmm. And that's actually helped us out a lot. And so if men don't have other men in their lives where they can openly say, Hey, I'm struggling with this, or I've dealt with these certain past traumas and hurts, and I don't know how to go about that, or I'm scared about this. If they don't do that and share that within a community, especially a community of believers in the church, it's it's doing more detriment to them. And so I'd say the first step is just self-examine yourself and say, you know, do, am I exhibiting things that are really damaging for my legacy in Christ? If you're a Christian. Um, And then I think just this past Sunday, we talked about is our legacy in Adam or is our legacy in Christ? And I think mm. that makes a huge difference because yeah. in Adam, like there's death, chaos, destruction, sin, everything in the legacy of Jesus, there's redemption, there's regeneration, there's everything. There's all these gifts. And, um, how do I express that within, uh, my church within with bro- other brothers and sisters in Christ? It may be a group of, uh, brothers and sisters, and maybe a group of brothers that, you know, I, you're going to have to do those hard times of self-examination and say, I need help. <laughs> I think that's the hardest thing that any man can say in our society is I need help. Um, and for me, like I've said it to my girlfriend, I've said it to other people. It's like, if I'm, if we're going down this path of marriage, it's like, I will need help being a dad. Um, because I don't know how to do that, but thankfully I have you guys, I have other people that I can talk to and confide in. So, um, I think that helps out a lot versus, oh, I'm just gonna, 
just tighten up my bootstraps and try and, you know, stick in for the long haul. It's like, you're going to burn yourself out yeah. and it's not going to be good. So my thoughts would be, or my word of encouragement essentially would be that, um, you may not be the guy that has trauma or something to talk about, but I think that there's a lot of opportunity to be the guy to instigate this type of relationship where you can talk about anything with your friends or maybe your one or two close friends that you feel comfortable with, you know, just to, just to open up that line of communication uh, to step out and, you know, say that, Hey, you know, I appreciate everything like who you are and, you know, the friend you are to me and I love you, man. I'll do anything for you. Um, you know, I want to be there to help you as well. Just, just a level with people and let them know your commitment to them. Essentially, that'll open them up to be able to have a discussion, you know, with you and share with you and include you in your in in their lives and in their struggles. Um, you know, if we're really going to exemplify Jesus's love, then we need to be entirely selfless and be entirely all in, because He was all in and you know to the point of death. So. Um, and not just an ordinary death of like, you know, getting shot and it's over in an instant. The dude was tortured for hours upon hours upon hours. Stripped naked. Yeah. Stripped just, naked, whipped, beaten, yeah. then put up on a cross, people. Yeah. It was gruesome to say the least. But, but yeah, it's just my kind of two cents, my encouragement for sure. That's awesome. Well, I appreciate you guys. I mean, I really do. Like, I'm not just saying it because I know we're at the end. Like, I really do appreciate you guys. Really do love you guys. You know, um, I know that I said that, you know, that I know some bad dads or whatever. But just to clarify that, it's like one of those things. I understand fatherhood is hard. I understand being a friend is hard. I understand being, you know, someone that's, you know, um, just being a man in general, and especially in a world and culture that we live in is really difficult. Um, But I appreciate you guys encouraging, you know, myself you know, through these years and, and through this podcast, you know, so I, I really do appreciate, you know, just the wisdom that you guys share through this, even though I know we joke a lot, but it is one of those things that has been like pretty cool to like look back and reflect and go, you know what, there was so, there were such good things that Chad and um, Jack said, and it's like, maybe I need to reflect on those and go, hmm, you know, step back. So I do appreciate you guys, you know, talking on this more and more. So word. All right. Well, I think that was a great episode on love. Uh, It really sums up every other episode that we've done on biblical manhood. Um, I would say that this is the chief episode to to go off of um, because love is everything. Um, We appreciate you, the listener. I think that even for the ladies out there that listen to us, thank you for listening to us. Um, I think that all of these examples directly correlate to woman to woman relationship, uh, maybe in different contexts or meanings, but, um, equally important. And we want to make sure that you're edified, encouraged and, and know that, you know, you need to do the same with your sisters. Um, so definitely encourage that. And, uh, as always, um, follow us on Instagram at brothers of Ash and leave us a review on iTunes Um, so we can grow this podcast and get more people to listen to it and be encouraged and get to know Jesus. Blake, what are we going to do? What are we going to do? He's got to hear y'all. Hey, everyone. Wash your hands. Yeah. Um, Is there anything to talk about? Do you have a joke? Okay, Blake, I have a joke. I have a joke. Okay.
Why what? didn't why didn't the toilet paper make it across the road? Why? Because it got stuck in a crack. <laughs> hilarious. I have he thought one. it was so funny that he didn't even laugh. He's like his dad. That's one. hilarious and then dead. Funny. I have one. Okay. Um, why does a bus cross the, the tree when he's not looking? Why? Because he has a car in his way. <laughs> We're still working on punchlines. <laughs>